The First United Methodist Church is a church of open hearts, open minds, and open doors, seeking to help everyone come to know Jesus Christ, both in Altamont and around the world. Our worship services are at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and all are welcome in person after the COVID crisis, but now online at our YouTube channel, Altamont First UMC. You can also find the link on Facebook at our Facebook page, First United Methodist Church Altamont. We will begin worship shortly. I say God is good, you say all the time, I say all the time, you say God is good. God is good? All the time. All the time. God is good. God is good and it is so good to be together and worship this morning and so I welcome you all here. I welcome those of you that are watching from home, whether we are here in this space or elsewhere, together we are joined in spirit and truth as we worship and we give thanks. So let's take a few moments to center ourselves as we prepare for worship. This is a time where if you have anything weighing you down, 
Maybe it's something on your lap that you need to get rid of. But maybe it is a heavy thought that you just need to lay at God's feet so that your heart is fully open to God during this worship. I invite you to take this time to do that while I light the candles. And let us pray. Oh, holy God, before you, Lord, we come. We come, God, seeking. We come, God, needing. We come, God, full of joy. And we come, God, full of sorrow. But, Lord, this morning, we have come to know you, to encounter you, Lord, to worship you. Help us, Lord, to open our hearts, open our spirits to you and your Holy Spirit as we worship together. Lord, bless this time. Bless the spaces that we are in. Lord, bless this worship. Amen. For those of us who are not Lutheran, we may not remember that today is Reformation Sunday. And so in honor of our good friend, Martin Luther, we are gonna sing one of his most famous hymns, A Mighty Fortress is His God. Now we're not actually going to sing it, but we are going to hear it. You can see the words on the screen. You can say them in your hearts. But no matter how we share these words, let us share this hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to and can 
truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. His kingdom is forever. Amen. 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 So I invite the children to give me their attention. If you are at home, come closer to the TV screen, the tablet, whatever. And we're going to have some children's time. So since our under the age of 13 are sitting over here, I'm going to kind of look at you guys, okay? So give me a good nod or whatever, all right? So um, you guys know what rules are, don't you? Rules are those things that we... No, Jaden does not know what rules are. Okay, rules are those things that we're supposed to do, we're supposed to follow. Now we have rules in school. From the youngest of age, we were taught that when you are walking down the hall, you walk in a crooked line, straight line. If it's a crooked line, raise your hand. If it's a straight line, raise your hand. Okay, all right. When you're walking down the, school, the hall at school, the rule is talk as loud as you can. Don't talk at all. Loud as you can, is that a rule? No. Quietly, not talk at all, raise your hand. Oh, we have some iffies on that one. Come on now. Those of you that grew up in Altamont schools, you know you're supposed to walk down the halls with bubbles in your mouths, right? So you can't talk at all. Now in the library, we all know that there's one rule there, right? Well, there's probably more, but one of the most important rules in the library is what? No talking, right? Also, don't destroy the books, return them on time. We have, Jaden, you have another rule for the library? Don't jump on desks. I feel like that's kind of like a rule most places, don't you think? Right, right. And so why do we have these rules? Well, because if we follow them, we're actually showing kindness to one another because if we jump on the desk, we might hurt somebody, right? Um, if we walk down the hall at school and we're really, really noisy, we're going to be disrupting other classes. If we walk down the hall and we're zigzagging all over the place, we might bump into somebody, and that wouldn't be nice. So we have rules that help keep us safe, that show kindness to other people. But we don't like too many rules, right? Because actually too many rules can kind of become confusing. Can you imagine if you had to remember 613 rules? Anybody here think that they could remember 613 rules? <laughs> You can't even remember one rule. Well, I bet you can remember one rule. I think for all of us, 613 would be really hard. When Jesus was your ages, though, in the Jewish faith, which is what he practiced, they had 613 rules. That's a lot to try to do and to try to remember. So do you think it was easy for him? Okay, for him, yes, because he was Jesus and he was perfect, but for everybody else, nope, that was really, really hard. And so that was a problem for people trying to follow God when Jesus was your age. So when Jesus became older and people asked him, well, what rules shall we follow? He said, there is one that is the most important. In fact, it's so important that we still call it today the great commandment. And it's mentioned three times, once in Matthew, once in Mark, once in Luke. And the great commandment starts with the most important word. The most important word is love. Everybody say it together, love. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus took all 613 rules and he basically made it into one rule. Love, love everyone. Love God and love your neighbor. And why is it so important for us to love? Because it's a way that we show kindness. It's a way that we show Jesus 
to everyone that we meet. Have you thought about that, that the most important thing that you can do is love? And so I hope that you guys think about that this week, maybe as you're walking down the hall, maybe when you're logging on to class, doing your homework, doing what mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, babysitter asks you to do, but you do everything with love. Let's pray. God, there are so many things that we need to do to follow the rules. But Lord, you gave us the first rule to follow, which helps to make all the rest easy. It is to love, to love you and to love others. Because if we're focused on love, God, help us realize that, well, our hearts are so full of you that we can't focus on other things, especially the things we shouldn't be doing. So thank you, God, for showing us love so that we can show love to others. Amen. One of the ways that we as a congregation show love is in our giving. Giving of our time, giving of our talents, and giving financially to support the ministries of the church. And so at this time, I invite our ushers to come forward so that we can collect our tithes and offerings. And for those of you that are worshiping at home, if you consider us your home church, the place where you go to encounter God each week, I hope that you will consider giving your tithes and offerings through our church. To make an offering, you can mail it to First United Methodist Church, 308 North 2nd Street in Altamont, Illinois, 62411. And while they're collecting our tithes, before we sing our response, I just want to remind all of us and those that are watching from home what our giving does for our church and for our community. Our offering is shared with our church global that supports missionaries, um, schools um, in third world countries, the installation of wells um, in places where they don't have water, um, and, and just sharing the good news across the world. It supports our church, which supports us, supports me as your pastor, by providing resources, uh, learning opportunities, and our giving then supports our local church, where we are able to do things after COVID, like uh, vacation Bible school, uh, confirmation, uh, different worship opportunities. So I thank you for your generosity and uh, let us now praise God in thanksgiving for all that God has given us and all that we give back to God with the listening to of praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. As we enter into our time of prayer, we want to remind you of all those who are listed on the back of our bulletin um, uh, to continue to pray for them. For those of you that are watching from home, you can find this list on our Facebook page. Um, we want to continue to pray for um, Emmett, who didn't make it on the list, but uh, Emmett Smith, that would be the son of Laura and Jason Smith. He is... Uh, starting to nurse, which is a good sign. You know, he was born at 31 weeks, and so they're trying to plump him up, make sure that everything's functioning as it should, but so far, so good. And if you are uh, Facebook friends with Laura, uh, go to her page. She always posts great pictures 
Um, so that is, that is wonderful. So we continue to pray for all of them during this, you know, trying time as uh, there's some separation there because Emmett is in Springfield. I invite you now into a few moments of personal prayer time. God, you are our mighty fortress. Lord, you are our stronghold. God, you are our strength, our protector, our savior. God, thank you for being the strength in our lives and in our world, especially in those times, Lord, when we need it oh so very much. And God, we continue to pray to you in these days of covid in these days prior to an election, in the days of harvest, in the days of schooling, and all of that, Lord, comes with its ups and its downs, its frustrations and its joys. God, as you have commanded us to love, Lord, through the ups and downs that we experience, Lord, help us to love. Because, God, you know that we have failed. We have fallen short even this week. We have not loved as we should have. We have not always done what we should have. We have said things, Lord, that we shouldn't have said. We have thought things, Lord, that we shouldn't have thought. Lord, forgive us. Lord, we don't want to sin but Lord, the, well, Lord, you know it's hard. So help us to always seek your strength, always to seek your love. God, help us to recognize our weaknesses. Help us to name them, God, so that we can change them. God, we pray to, Lord, for all those we know who are in need, Lord, in need of food in need of shelter, in need of healing, in need of strength, in need of guidance, in need of your word, in need of forgiveness. God, in all these places and more, Lord, provide. And Lord, make us an instrument to help provide as well, to again, show your love to each and every person that we meet in each and every place. Lord God, you know there is so much more on our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, that you know that which is on our hearts, even if we don't have the words to speak it. Now, God, we join our voices together. Lord, we pray to you and we say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, as I said uh, towards the beginning of worship, for a, a large part of the Christian world, uh, today is recognized as Reformation Sunday. Now let's talk about who doesn't recognize it. 
the Catholic Church, <laughs> but the Lutheran Church and even other Protestant churches recognize the Reformation as an important milestone in the life and history of Christianity. Now, for those of you who are interested in Christian history, a little note, we as Methodists are not part of the German reform movement. We did not split off the church for the same reasons that Luther led change in Germany. To give you a Wikipedia version of what happened is that Luther, as a priest in the Catholic church, saw many issues in how the church was being run and the church's theology, especially around salvation and its emphasis or lack thereof of scripture. And so he challenged the church. And so today, October 31st, but um, recognizes the day when, um, when Luther made public his 95 theses, his statement of these are the things that I see are wrong or things that we need to address. And it was a very brave thing for him to do. I don't believe that he thought he'd set off a revolution, which it wasn't only just a reformation, and then ended up being a bit of a revolution too, because somehow as Christians, we couldn't figure out how to love each other if we didn't worship God the same way. And so literally, they had wars over it for centuries. Now back to the history with us as United Methodists, our movement actually comes out of the Church of England, which happened not because the Church of England had, or the British had any trouble with the teachings of the Catholic Church, but rather King Henry VIII wanted a divorce and the Pope wouldn't give him one. So then he split from the Catholic Church and we had the Church of England. <sighs> I don't know, it's not really... Great reasoning, but you know, God is good. God makes good out of things that still seek him. And so out of the Church of England then came John Wesley, who didn't seek to start a new church, but sought again to address some of the deficiencies he saw in the Church of England. And he sought then to encourage people to truly love God in multiple ways, through their works, and through then their prayer life, their Christian life, and to have a balance of the two. So we are part of the English Reformation. The, the Lutheran Church is part of the German Reformation. But the one good thing that they have in common is that at their roots, and I'm going to Wesley's roots, not King Henry's roots, but if we were to put Luther and Wesley on the same page, they were both seeking to help the church, to help Christians find their way to God, to not get caught up in all of the rules that seemed very extraneous, and they were. Or they were rules that emphasized not one's relationship with Jesus Christ, but one's relationship to an institution. Have you heard people say things like, you know, um, I'm Christian or spiritual? Not spiritual, because that goes a whole different way. But, um, you know, I don't like religion, but I'm a Christian. Or I don't like religion, but I'm a Christ follower. Meaning, you know, for them, I would say, the emphasis is their relationship with Jesus Christ and not following a set of rules prescribed by an institution. All right, enough of all that stuff, although I find it to be completely interesting. One of my history professors in seminary, we used to say that he was Martin Luther reincarnated because he was in love with Martin Luther. He was Methodist, but he was obsessed with Martin Luther. But like I said, these movements of change were about pointing people back to God's love, ultimately, through a better understanding of scripture or through having a balance in our faith, personal piety, and the things we do to help others. This was an issue in Jesus's day as well. Like I told the kids, in Jesus' day, there were 613 precepts, laws, 
found in the Torah, which was the book of the law for the Jews. 613. Now, perhaps if we all had a printed bound copy of all the rules, the precepts, it would be easy for us to follow them. Did they have printed bound versions of the rules in their day? Heck no, they didn't even have books. They had scrolls. And could everybody read the scrolls? No. Most people had scripture, you know, memorized. And those were the people who made that their job. It wasn't the everyday farmer. It wasn't the everyday carpenter. It wasn't the everyday wife. They depended on others to share the faith, what the scripture said, what God said with them. So because there were 613 statements, precepts, the teachers of that day found that they kind of had to condense some of it down so that the common person could remember it. And so it was very common for the well-known Jewish teachers of Jesus's day and forward to kind of make these summary statements. There was Hillel. He was a great teacher known as Hillel the Elder. He lived from 110 BC to 10 CE or AD. So 120 years, we think. But he's one of the most prolific teachers of his time, writers and scholars of his time. And so part of Jewish tradition is you would learn from the scholars and then you would pass that down. So there's a story that one of Hillel's students asked Hillel to summarize the law, 613 precepts, while standing on one leg. Let's get a visual for this. Summarize the law for me, standing on one leg. I'm better at it on this foot, actually. So anyway, this is what Hillel said. What you hate for yourself, do not to your neighbor. This is the whole law, the rest is commentary. So that was Hillel's bringing it all together. So then we have scripture for today. And so I'm going to read to you what I've been alluding to with the kids, which is Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 34. And here Jesus says, When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment is the... of? Sorry. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. So this statement is kind of Jesus's summary statement about the law. And he makes it easier for us to understand and to follow. It's called the great commandment. It is, it is united by that verb love. And he tells us to love two things. To love God with everything that we have. And to love our neighbor as ourself. Now, does that sound familiar to what Hillel said? Mm-hmm. What did Hillel say? What you hate for yourself, do not to your neighbor. Jesus kind of puts the positive spin on it. Do to your neighbor as you would want done to you. But I think they both have the same feeling because they're both rooted in Scripture. The first part of Jesus' statement, love the Lord your God, comes from Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. It is one of the most famous pieces or well-known pieces of scripture in the Jewish community even today. And then the second part comes from um, Leviticus chapter 19. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. 
You know, if you even look at the Ten Commandments, they are split in this exact same way that Jesus describes it. The first five of the Ten Commandments talk about how we love God, the things that we do and the things that we don't do. The second five commandments are all about our neighbor, our community, how we treat others. You know, we don't kill people. Important thing. You know, we don't commit adultery, another good thing. We don't steal. These are all things that affect our neighbor. And so here Jesus has, has taken all of these already understood teachings and he has simplified them, clarified them for us even more. And so this is our commandment still today. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God, as John Wesley would say, practice your acts of piety, the things that bring you to know God better, to worship, to have communion, to be baptized, to study the Bible, to pray, to have Christian conversation, and then to love your neighbor, your um, works of mercy, to care for the sick, to feed the hungry, to visit those in prison, to work for justice. All of this is rooted in this great commandment whose emphasis is its verb, love. So guys, we have this easy commandment. We have this easy thing to do, right? All we got to do is love. All you need is love. Didn't the Beatles say that? But didn't the Beatles say that like 50 years ago? Well, wait a minute, didn't Jesus say this like 2,000 years ago? Yet somehow we don't get it, do we? Because we don't live it out. We don't live it out as Christians. Sometimes, in fact, we're our own worst enemies. How many times have you heard the story of the congregation that split and divided because they couldn't decide on a new carpet color? Friends, I'm telling you, it's happened. It's happened. That was more important than worshiping God together? Apparently it was. Where was the love there? That's just one example, a terrible one. When I've been thinking about this myself, about this issue of why are we so bad at loving one of the first things I thought of is we're really not very good at loving ourselves. And if we don't love ourselves, how can we love others? We have a really hard time, I think, understanding that God made us and that we are wonderfully made and that we are loved by God. But oftentimes we have these voices in our, set, in our heads that says, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I can't run as fast. I'm not as smart. So surely I am not as good. We don't love ourselves because we don't take care of our bodies, these vessels that God has given us. We eat poorly or we don't eat enough. We don't take our medicines. We don't go to the doctor we don't watch what we eat. We eat to soothe ourselves. The list can go on and on. We are not very good at loving ourselves. And so if we don't know how to do it for ourselves, some way I can understand why we would be really bad at doing it to others. And then to take that a step for forward, if we don't love ourselves, if we are feeling poorly about ourselves, that always and automatically then reflects in how we treat other people. One of the basics of psychology and one of the early lessons that my mom taught me is that if someone is being mean to you, that means that they hurt. And they're being mean to you because they want you to hurt too. Do they know this? No, this is, you know, way back in the mind. But when we try to hurt others, it's really an expression 
of how we're feeling ourselves. And oftentimes we don't try to hurt others. We just do. I can remember one of my first jobs out of college. Um, I worked in a, in a small uh, department at a computer consulting company. And it was four young women. We were all under the age of 26. Well, you know how it can be sometimes when a bunch of girls get together? You know, we think that this is saved for like maybe junior high or high school where girls aren't always nice to each other. No, no, no. See, we keep doing this to each other as we get older because we still don't love ourselves enough and we still aren't confident in who we are that God created us to be. And I remember there was this one woman in our department that the other three of us loved to talk nasty about her myself included. Oh, we could come up with a whole list of things that was wrong with her. She wore too much makeup. Um, she was snobby. Oh my gosh, did you see how she did her bangs? Because all of these things are really important, right? You know, the fact that she wore too much makeup and her bangs weren't done correctly. But because we, because I wasn't I wasn't in love with myself yet. I didn't see myself as God saw me. I didn't have that sense of personhood that God gives to us. I didn't recognize it. I took out my insecurities on her. I'd like to think that I didn't do it to her face, but I can't promise you that. Surely she knew that we didn't like her because we weren't as nice as we could have been. We didn't love her as we could have. Now, sometimes some people are really hard to love. Maybe we do have a sense that, that we are wonderfully created in God's image and that we are forgiven of our sins. But man, I got this one person in my family who is a sinner. They do bad and I cannot possibly ever love them. If it's not a person in your family, it's somebody in your neighborhood, it's someone that you work with, we all have it. It's almost as if God places those people in our lives because God wants us to love them, but how do we do that? Well, I'm not suggesting you go and try to save everybody. That's not in all of our you know, capabilities but we can still love them. And how do you do that? You can just pray for them. You can just pray. You can stop saying nasty things about them to other people. Even if they agree with you 150%, even if everything that you say is true. What was it that... that that Leviticus said, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you want folks talking about you or do you want people praying for you? Do you want folks pointing out how bad your hair is today or do you want people to love you? I think as Christians, we're in a crunch time with this because our country has been so divided. Someone, something's got to reach across. I don't ever think that we're all going to have the same opinions. We will never all be members of the same political party. We will not all always like the same baseball team, but we can always love each other. And the ways that we reach across our differences is how we love each other. Now, if you have someone, though, that you cannot have contact with, that does not mean you can't love them by praying for them. It does not, you can love them by watching what you say about them and for truly, truly, truly praying that God will work in their lives and that they will know the saving grace of Jesus Christ the same way that you do. Because it's only by God's grace that you are not the person that you don't like. Now, that could sound really funny if you say, it's only by God's grace that I'm not a Cardinals fan instead of a Cubs fan. But no, <laughs> it is by God's grace that I am not an addict. It is by God's grace that I haven't been divorced 80 times. It's by God's grace that I have what I have because I seek God 
I seek to find my sin and I seek to correct it. And I know that God will forgive me for those sins. This is what love is about, starting with God's love, recognizing your need for God and your need for his Savior. It is this love, this verb that calls us to repent and forgives us and then calls us into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It is this love, this verb, that then says to us, love others, work to love better, seek to do better, show the same love that I, your God, has shown you. Because this is the commandment, to love, to love the Lord and to love others. Now you may say, but Paige, we've heard that sermon a hundred times before. You've added some things to it I've never heard before, the, you know, the bangs and the makeup or whatever. But we've heard it before. Well, you know, friends, we need to hear it all the time until we do it, until we truly do it, until we as Christians, as Christ followers, take Jesus's command secret. We need to hear this. We need to be reminded of it each and every day. We need to pray to God that he will take away our insecurities, that he will take away our egos, our pride, so that we can see the world the way that God sees the world, full of his creation. John Wesley believes that all of us are moving on to perfection. Not being perfect as far as you know, not sinning anymore, but it's perfection in love. That it should be our goal to be perfect in the way that we love others. We've got some work to do, but we don't do it alone. We do it with God's help, God's leading, God's enthusiasm, and God's grace. So let us pray. It is with you and your love, God, that we survive, that we can thrive. So Lord, help us to do love better. Both our love of ourselves, our love of you, and our love of our neighbor. God, may that phrase not just be words, but may it be the motto of our lives, the actions that we do each and every day to love your greatest commandment. Amen. In our news to share, we want to give a thank you for those that came and purchased um, a luncheon at our uh, Harvest Lunch drive through and a big thank you to everyone who helped with that. We do have some leftovers, so if you're interested in buying a cheap lunch, we've got um, sacks of two sandwiches and two chips for $5 a piece, and if you'd like a package of hot dogs, they're only a dollar. See Tom about that. Um, after worship. And then a few other announcements about the nut orders and other things. Why Von Flanagan will accept your nut orders through this Wednesday, October 28th. If you have nut orders and they're still in your hand, raise your hand there, Why Von. You can give it to her. She will, or because she, she will be down by the north door after church to pick up any that you'd like to turn in. At this time, the UMW will not be accepting bottle caps and pill bottles until further notice. You can continue to save them at your own home if you like, um, but you'll need to keep them until we have a new outlet for them. And we are also not saving or collecting batteries at this time, but we are still saving foam. So if you have foam, you can bring that up so we can recycle it up in uh, the Champaign-Urbana area. Uh, next Sunday is All Saints Sunday, where we will be celebrating the saints of our church. So I hope that you can be with us. Um, this coming week, I will be on retreat uh, with my covenant group over in Indianapolis. We are going to be staying at the Benedict Inn, which is run by the, um, the uh, I can't even remember the name of the monastery, 
Um, we're not going to be able to go pray with the sisters because of COVID, so that's kind of disappointing for me. But um, I would appreciate your prayers as I'm on retreat. If you have any prayer requests, ways that I can pray for you while I'm on retreat, uh, please let me know. Uh, send me an email, a text message, private message me on Facebook, and I would be happy to pray for you uh, during the coming week. I will be back on Sunday. With all of that, and still the idea of having love in our hearts, we will now share in the hymn, The Gift of Love. It's number 408 in the United Methodist Hymnal. We can follow along to the words on the screen. Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. May you go in peace until we meet together again. Amen. Amen.